That's Brittany. And that's Jonathan. And welcome back to our podcast, Real Time Talk. We're going to be going over chapter five of The Adventist Home, which is called A Powerful Christian Witness. That's by Alan White. Just in case this is the first episode you listen to in this series. If it is, go back. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, like every other episode, the format is that uh, I wrote down quotes from the book that stood out to me, and we're going to discuss them. Uh, Okay, so the first one is, Home duties should be performed with the consciousness that if they are done in the right spirit, they give an experience that will enable us to work for Christ in the most permanent and thorough manner. Cheerfully lifting the cross, not neglecting any work, however disagreeable to the natural feelings. Honestly, for me reading that, when I was reading it the first time, I was like, it kind of made me want to procrastinate less. Um, It made me want to procrastinate less because like, and it it helps with procrastination. Because if you you sit there and you're like, I don't want to do the dishes. But then as you start to do the dishes, you're like, this is the little things that God is asking me to do so he can trust me with the big things. Facts. And it will, it's a character, um, per, like, uh, perfecter. Mm-hmm. I know it's not really a word, perfecter, but uh, it helps perfect your character because uh, it's those things, it's how you act during those tasks that people will be watching you and judging you and observing what kind of a Christian you are. All right, that's when it matters for us to make sure that we do them and have the right attitude, no matter how painful and annoying it may be. Yeah. Um, it's definitely like, well, and like in at the bottom here, it says cheerfully lifting the cross, not neglecting any work, however disagreeable to the natural feelings. Our uh, sinful nature will make us think that um, like household tasks and, and doing the things that need to be done aren't appealing, aren't fun. We try to find solutions to get them done for us, like um, automatic robots that do our vacuuming for us or dishwashers and stuff like that, right? Like as our human nature makes us want to find solutions for things um, that when you actually take the time to do them by hand and to... Um, think about the glory that it's bringing to God, it might actually just bring you closer Mm. to him. Mm -hmm. Because when God created man, he did not create man to be lazy slugs Mm -hmm. that just sit around doing nothing all day. We were created to work. He put us in a garden, a garden that needed to be tended. He could have made it a self-tending garden, but uh, he put us in there for a very specific reason. All right. Mm -hmm. So that is the important thing for why we should do these everyday and seemingly mundane tasks. Yeah. Okay. Um, so next one. Our work for Christ is to begin with the family in the home. There is no missionary field more important than this. Yep. It's kind of a self-explanatory. Yeah. The home is where your number one priority should be before you even think of taking your time and effort anywhere else you need to focus on your home it's the same thing with the parable of uh the wise man the foolish man you need to build a firm foundation on christ 
Mm-hmm. And the firm foundation starts with your faith in your home. Yeah. And with the members within your home. That is the number one thing you need to start with. Before you even think like, I need to be, I'm called to do this ministry. Is your home in order? No, mm. get out. Because that's something that's actually listed in the elders manual for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. All right. An elder is supposed to be someone who has their house in order. Their families or their family members are supposed to be uh, good standing in the church and, you know, participating and involved And their house can't be like uh, divided. So you can't be divorced and be an elder. Mm. It's very, that is something that needs to, that's not just for eldership. That's for every Christian. Before you start seeking more responsibility and asking God to bless you and make you a missionary, oof, are you, is your home right with the Lord? Well, because if, if you don't bring God to your home, how do you expect your family to bring it to anyone else? Mm-hmm. And home is where you are for the longest amount of time and where your guard is the lowest. So if God isn't in your home, the who else is roaming? The devil. Yeah. That, that there's only the two options. You either have God there protecting you or God isn't there protecting you and the devil is in your every thought and in your every move. And I mean, I'm sure no one wants that in their home. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, so the next one is the highest duty that devolves upon youth is in their own homes. Blessing father and mother, brothers and sisters by affection and true interest. That is an interesting quote to decipher and decrypt because a lot of, and like the thing with Ellen White is uh, sometimes it's hard to figure out what she means by youth. Nowadays, mm-hmm. we think of youth as, you know, anywhere from, you know, 16 to about, you know, 20s, mid to early 20s is considered youth nowadays. But when she's talking about youth, she's referring to 16 to like 8 or 10. 8 to 16. Then. Well, yeah. Eight, Another so. way. <laughs> Anyways, she, because she'll young refer to his youth as young people. Like anywhere who's under the age of 16. Because by the time you reach 16 in Ellen White's eyes, you are a young adult. But in, in worldly terms, mm-hmm. young people is like young adults. Mm-hmm. And youth is small people. Because if you go in... Small people. <laughs> just young, like a little kids. little mini people. Uh, right? <laughs> um, because you, uh, if you look at like buying clothes and stuff, like t-shirts and stuff, youth sizes are like kids sizes. Mm-hmm. So. so sometimes it can just be... Uh, I find that challenging. But like in this context, kids... And she elaborates on this more in uh, later chapters is that kids have a very important role in the household to fulfill. They should not just be freeloading. And they are to uh, bring joy and gladness to the house and show interest in whatever their parents are doing, whatever the heads of the household are doing. So Bible study, uh, church, uh, household chores, hobbies, gardening, uh, career school anything they're supposed to show interest in those things and ask questions but also make sure that the house is filled with like laughter and just general fun i was gonna say i think kids um position in the family is to bring a sense of lightheartedness to serious situations yeah they're the jester mm-hmm. okay. they they bring i mean who doesn't love watching kids play and yeah. like you look at them and you're like, what is going through their minds? It doesn't make sense. And you just, you can't help yourself but smile. Just, yeah. He's like, what, what I was, 
I don't even remember what I was thinking. <laughs> Man, must have been stupid. <laughs> but yeah, like they, but um, young kids, kids, their job is to be a blessing and be that reminder of joy mm-hmm. to their families, um, mother, mother, father, and siblings. And I think, ideally, that relationship between siblings will create a um, a safety net. Where if there's something going on with the parents, at least they have their siblings to fall back on because they've always taken care of each other. Yeah. And that is why you shouldn't discourage kids or try to rush kids into growing up. Mm. And try to rush them into uh, a state of mind that is far more mature than their years. Allow them. Let kids be kids Mm -hmm. within God's eyes. Because even Christ did not, kids came to him and he didn't say, smart enough, you need to start thinking about career choices. Okay, no. start, you know, start dressing, start dressing like you're a, a mini 21 year old. Okay, no, mm-hmm. Christ was like, let the little children come to me so I can pray for them, bless them, etc. I mean, um, you know that like saying that people, old people seem to think it's a compliment mm. to tell a kid that they're wise beyond their years. See, wisdom is one thing. But wisdom is one thing. Like, um, you know what you know when like like teachers will will have a meeting with the parents and they'll be like, Oh, your kid's so mature for their age. I don't that's like not that a compliment. Saying. That's not a compliment. That's trauma. Like that that's Well, not necessarily, because when you think about if a child is for let's just say you're letting the child be child and the child shows more interest. Okay, a child that shows more interest in things like what Ellen White's saying to the rest of the world will always appear more mature than any other child. Because most children are just like, I'm playing. Nah, 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 nah. Most kids aren't be like, what about careers? What about this? I want to talk about that. I like mm-hmm. to garden. They will always appear more mature. As long as you're not forcing them into a maturity that is way beyond their years and like trying to college prep them for exams when they're 10 years old. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But whoa. I mean like for me, like teachers used to always tell me that I was more mature than my age, but it was because I had gone through a lot of stuff Mm-hmm. That that uh, the average person my age hadn't gone through. Yes, and trauma can mature people older because they have to adapt and have to much, be independent right from the start. Well, pretty much think about it. your brain just has to leap forward several years to a point where it can handle that trauma. It's just yeah. like we need to mature faster. Then it's just like if you look at animals who are born into the wild and like let's take um, a baby uh, bear versus a baby deer or a baby horse. Okay, a baby bear will follow its mom around for like two years before it's ready to go off on its own, before it's ready to be independent. Mm-hmm. A baby deer or baby horse is literally, once it's born, it's up on its feet in less than like five minutes. Yeah. It has to mature fast because it's known it's going to be, it's the same thing mm-hmm. with an Ascentron. So, getting back to yeah, sorry. that after that sidebar, um, yeah. We should never, and it disgusts me when parents force their children into a higher maturity. Let them have general interest and encourage them to have interest in things in the world. But that I've seen it so many times where children at such a young age are just like, yeah, I want to be a doctor of this. And they actually know the doctor's name. Like, hola, 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 hola. I'm sorry, but this at like seven years old, this does not sound like it is genuinely coming from you. Most kids are like, I want to be a doctor. That's it. Not the I want to be a, a, a pediatrician. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, a neurological surgeon that specializes in like, hold on, kid, hold on. So, there's 
a balance, and that's a word I'm going to be using a lot in this book. There is a balance between letting your kid show interest and encouraging them to be slightly more mature Mm -hmm. and then force feeding your kid information to try and make them this super genius whiz kid. I mean, to be honest, um, people who do that to their kids, those kids end up not liking those careers anyways. Oh, yeah. They end up hating themselves, their mm-hmm. careers, and then they resent their parents. Cause yeah. There, I remember reading this one story where this one, this one guy and his parents wanted him to go and become a medical doctor so, so hard. So he went and he spent the eight years becoming a medical doctor, grabbed his diploma, threw it off the stage, and then left. And I think he like makes beer now. Yeah. He does n- has nothing to do with his parents and has nothing to do with his career. He does like the most trade like job that you can imagine and he has uh his MD. He's yeah. a medical doctor. He's like, "Nope, I did it to satisfy my parents and now I do not an MD at all." Yeah. So never force your kids into a career path just because it's what's socially acceptable. That's a very like that. uh it's a very West Indian idea that is unless you're a pastor um a nurse a, a nurse lawyer, a, a doctor, doctor a lawyer maybe or a teacher, teacher yeah you're not worth anything unless you've gone to school you ain't worth anything which but then, is very but then bad. when you're being successful and you have money then all of a sudden it's a <laughs> yeah. it's a great career and they need your mm-hmm. help and you're like nah you didn't support me like so yeah the thing would be to encourage kids to be curious about the world and life and to satisfy that curiosity because there's it can swing the other way where parents are just like no do this because i said so worst saying ever Mm. (laughs) don't ask questions and do this because i said so yeah if you don't have the answers admit to your child you don't have the answers yeah because that will and then encourage them like i i don't know right now how about you go look it up and we'll discuss it together kind of thing yeah have them come back to you with the information because one will encourage your kids to look for the actual source of the information two they'll know exactly what they're doing what they believe in and they'll know more the one downside is that is they might become more well-read than you will Mm. but that's a good thing you want your kids to be better than you that's a good blessing but just keep in mind they might uh Especially if they like they're interested in law at a young age, and you're like, yeah, but the law states this. And you're like, I did not read that part of the law. <laughs> Great. Um, but kind of bringing it back to um, being a blessing to the members of your family, I think um, learning to be a listening ear in your family helps a lot because I've noticed in your family um, when you guys actually sit down together. Like it's a it's a normal thing for you to come home and be like this happened at work today and I'm being promoted or you know I got mm-hmm. this happened in my life and I'm excited about it. That's normal for you guys to talk to each other about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And to support each other through those things. Yeah. Um whereas with my family we didn't talk about it unless it came up in conversation. Yeah. Um she goes more into that in the chapter that she talks about raising kids and how to uh actually uh like deal with children Mm. and their emotions and stuff like that is no matter how trivial a child's Mm -hmm. whatever is on their mind no matter how trivial it may seem to you never never throw it out like my my mom used to even if it's the 275th dandelion they have brought you (laughs) always have a smile on your face 
I mean, my mom used to do that to me a lot. Um, and I don't think she meant to. I think she, that's how she copes with things is to just be like, well, it's not a big deal. And like, leave it be kind of thing. She's like, get the negative out of my life. And the negative follows her. Um, <laughs> but so when I was a kid, um, I was being bullied when I lived in Gatineau. And like, um, some of my girlfriends had poured applesauce in my shoes. And when I came home, I was crying and I was like, this happened, this happened. But I never got to the part where I was going to say, you know, they poured applesauce in my shoes. But I was like, this girl was talking behind my back. And I was just talking about the little things that led up to it. And my mom dismissed me and was kind of like, oh, those are just girl problems. Wait till you get to the real world kind of thing. And that made me so sad because I always felt like my feelings weren't valid. There's a time and place for bringing that wait to the real world world card into situations. It's not when someone is having a bad day. Yeah, it's no. when someone has unrealistic ideas and expectations that because I know I've I've done this with my Sabbath school class where kids are just like, yeah, I'm so excited to go to university or college. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop whoa. being excited. It whoa, sucks. <laughs> college and university isn't your friend. It's they not are not. Fun. They are there to take your money and maybe give you a piece of paper that says you have an education. Mm. That's about it. So that, like, wait to the real world that, like, you think high school's bad. High school may be rough, but at least you're not paying for it. So there's a time and a place for those things. When your child comes in crying, Listen. that is not the time to play that. Well, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, no. Yeah. Way to make a child suicidal. <laughs> like, well, I don't want to be in the world, Ben. Counsel them. Be like, yes. Okay, these are things that happen in life. Right, but we'll have to get through them together. That's mm-hmm. a better way of saying the real world's rough, but hey, listen, buckle up. We'll get yeah. through this together. Okay, right. so if we keep going, um, in the home, those who have received Christ are to show what grace has done for them. Which um, is it's, our calling as Christians. It's, it's very true, but I've noticed at least um, in our situations... Your situation is different than mine, but both of us have the issue of we are trying to show who, what Christ has done for us, and it's bringing, uh, it's bringing different results than, than what we would. Anticipated. Yes. <laughs> so sometimes you may you may find that when you try to uh, show what Christ has done, because it's not just show what Christ has done outside the home. No, it's specifically inside the home you need to show what christ has done for you you should not wait for high noon sabbath Mm. to go and give your testimony of what christ has done for you throughout the week it's definitely important to talk to your family members about things that god has done for you because Mm. if there is even a, a hint of doubt in one of your family members and their faith is dwindling your testimony to them even though it might seem trivial to you in the moment and you're like obviously they know this they taught it to me they might need the little reminder yeah the reminder that oh they're working in my kid he's working in my kid's life Mm -hmm. well then obviously he's still around and that's a blessing to them just as much it is as it is you um and it keeps the family faith alive because one person starts to dwindle it's an opening for the devil to enter your family unit Mm -hmm. cool um, a well-ordered Christian household is a powerful argument in favor of the reality of the Christian religion. Yes. Any strong family unit 
will always make people like, hey, I want that. Anytime <laughs> there is something good going on in the family, people usually want that. Whether you have really good Christmas traditions or really good communication, people are like, I want that. If people come into your household and they see that you know your family is strong because of your faith mm-hmm. and that it has transcended every part of every fiber of your family unit, then they're like, hmm, I high key want that. But I don't know how to get it. And that's when you show them how to get that. And it's a, it's a true testimony to um, what God le- has done. Uh, and and legitimate Christianity as opposed yes. to commercial Christianity. Yes. Yeah. Because church is not the place where you should be trying to convert somebody. Should be bringing someone to like here, here's what Christianity is all about. New. No. Here's what Seventh-day Adventism is all about. New. No. That is just the uh, that is the uh, weekly gathering so that we can make sure we are all on the same page. That, that's very true because I, I find a lot of people are like, oh, you know, um, I'm, I'm doing Bible studies with this person, so I'll bring them to church. But that's a good point. You have to make sure that they know what it means to be a Christian family 24-7. Mm-hmm. Every day, there's not a second that you put down your Christianity. Yeah. Like, it's always there. And if they don't want that, they have to know right off the bat that that's not what they want. Because if you bring them into it and then later on, their faith will crack if you tell them, oh, well, now you have to do this all the time, even though you thought you only had to do it once a week. Also, never sell someone on a half-baked idea or half-baked principle. Don't sell them to a once-a-week Christianity mm. idea. It's like going in and someone's like, I need the best car you can give me. They're like, I've got this for you. And you're like, cool. And you come back and they're like, oh, well, actually, I had this 10-year newer, fully loaded model that I didn't tell you about. So mm. they're not going to trust you ever again after that. Like, why are you so fake? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? But if you are showing that you uh, that you do all these things that you're a 24 7 christian and they come like well there are people here who aren't 24 7 christians it doesn't matter it's like everyone is at different places in their walk mm-hmm. not everyone is at the same spot and then they'll be more accepting and more tolerant of okay cool and you have to remind them church is a house full of sinners seeking repentance and i mean that might even bring them Closer. The, closer and, and wanting to help the people who are not mm-hmm. at that 24-7 point just yet. Um, and to bring a different perspective of faith. Mm-hmm. So when you're selling Christianity, you have to sell all the terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. You have to give them the full package. Like, this is what Christianity is supposed to be. And this is what I'm trying to win you to. And they'd be like, cool. So that way they're not surprised or shocked or blindsided. Like, wait, I have to give 10% to time? What? I gotta do this. What? I can't eat my, you know, bacon. What? I mean, no. although although Give those are things everything. you tell them about the rules when they're interested, and yes. then you let God convict them of those rules. Because yes. I mean, when I started um, mm-hmm. going to church and stuff, I was not. I was like, I'm gonna keep my tattoos, gonna keep my piercings, gonna keep doing this. God's I mean, not you can't gonna... return your tattoos. No, but <laughs> I, I like I wanted to continue getting tattoos yes. and stuff, and like um, going into the church, there were certain things that I hadn't been convicted of yet. Yet. And then I remember having the conversation with you about the piercings. And I was like, well, they're already there. It's not like God is mad at me for it. And then the next day, we list, I listened to a podcast and it was like, <laughs> well, if you, buy, if you rent a car, would you go paint it and then bring it back? 
no, your body's not yours, so don't don't change it kind of thing. And then my nose piercing um, got infected, and I had to take it out. Just <laughs> comes around so yeah, yeah the family unit is the most powerful influence for the christian not ideal the christian mentality the christian uh, culture legitimate christianity um, yeah christianity and and christ likeness yeah just don't go rule rule uh bashing or like <laughs> when you first bring someone to the church and you're just like here let me dump like uh, all the rules in your face no but it, that's like, um, I think Christine had said that she was like a lot of her friends that um, knew about Seventh-day Adventists but didn't know everything about them. When she said she was SDA, they were like, oh, so you go to the, the no church. Like mm. with the list of no's, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And I, I was like, that's that's kind of true. That's kind of how we approach it. Yeah. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. Oh, and also, by the way, you're saved. Like, <laughs> that should be the top of your list. <laughs> But, yeah. And, I mean, she goes later in that quote and says, um, if homes of professed Christians ha had a right religious mold, they would exert a mighty influence for good. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you would be well known. You'd be known not throughout your community, but throughout almost the, like, your sector, your your town. People your your would ripple would, would go far. It, would, it, it wouldn't be just a little blade of grass. It would be a, a huge boulder. Just your ripple effect would be known for and felt mm -hmm. for a very for a very wide radius. Yeah. Okay. So next one: children who have been properly educated, who love to be useful, to help father and mother, will extend a knowledge of correct ideas and Bible principles to all with whom they associate. Yeah, if you teach your kids right and teach them how to love Christ and love Christianity and love who they are, they'll be super excited to have their friends come and join in. Mm -hmm. Kids are like the number one witnesses if trained properly. They can bring so many people and change so many lives if trained properly. I'm even and, honestly, God works through kids well though. Oh, so so well. I remember when I was maybe like six or seven. Actually, no, I was maybe older than that. I was like maybe nine or ten, and we didn't really do much religious anything. We I we stopped going to church when we moved when I was like six. Like we we didn't do much of anything. And there was one day where my dad bought me a notebook for journaling because he heard that it was good to keep your thoughts in a book kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then before he would come tuck me in before bed and he came in and he was like, okay, get ready for bed. And I was like, no, 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 wait. Like, I'm still writing down what happened during my day. And he was like, okay. So he just stood at the door and like waited. And then I was like, why are you still watching me? And he's like, well, are you just not just going to like close your book and go to bed? And I was like, no, I always write down what happened. And then I pray mm -hmm. because they taught me how to pray when I was little, but we hadn't done it in years. And then I was, he was like, what do you mean? And I got out of bed and like knelt in front of my bed. And I was just like, dear God, blah, 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 blah. And like, I did the like generic Catholic prayer kind of mm. thing. But I was just like, also, thank you. And like went to bed. And he was just like, what? Oh, okay. Like he, he, he didn't know how to react. Cause he was like, I haven't even thought about praying in a long time. Mm -hmm. And he told me when I joined the SDA church that that day he actually started praying again. Mm. Because he was like, well, if my kids are praying, maybe I should be praying too. Yeah. 
So. so, like I said, kids will influence. Their influence is will be much larger. When when we talked about previously about the family's ripple effect, mm-hmm. kids are the main factor in that. As long as they are properly educated, and emphasis on the properly educated. This does not mean they need to go to a Christian school. No. This is about how you teach them about Christianity. And how you get how you get them excited. Not how the church gets them excited. Not how their um SDA school teacher gets them excited. How you get them excited about Christianity. And and teach them how to be excited about it on their own eventually. Yes. Um not to say that and all Christian schools are bad. No no no. Um, it's just don't rely just... on that when the word education comes up. Your thought should not be, oh, SDA school. No, no, no. Or Christian no. school or whatever. Like, uh, um, education starts at home. It's yes. not all. And everything the else job. is the cream on top. Mm-hmm. And we'll, I think we'll touch a bit more about that in the chapter. But yeah, you, you cannot expect church and school and Pathfinders and wherever to fix your kids. You need to fix your kids and they will just put the icing on the cake you need to make the cake for them to ice it yeah i was gonna say if you send them to be fixed in a group and a a social thing like school or church or whatever Mm -hmm. um the thing is is that as soon as they come home all that fixing is undone if it's not like that at home because then they're they're gonna put in their mind i have to be this perfect christian kid when i'm at pathfinders when i'm at this when i'm at that but at home i don't need to be because mom and dad don't care it's expecting a cake to be decorated when you haven't made the cake like, sending a cake decorator a, a bowl of flour mixed <laughs> with eggs is just goo, and, like, the eggs aren't even cracked properly, and saying, here, can you decorate this as a cake? And expecting a well-made and delicious cake afterwards, they'll literally send it back to you, like, I can't do anything with this. I squirted some icing on top, that's about the best I could do. That, or they, they're like, I cracked your eggs for you. Like, I, yeah. I did the next step for you, but you gotta keep going kind of thing. I only had enough time to do the next step. Yeah. So... But- yeah. Okay. So next one is a little bit long. That's a lot of bit long. <laughs> so, okay. When our homes are what they should be, our children will not be allowed to grow up in idleness and indifference to the claims of God in behalf of the needy all about them. As the Lord's heritage, they will be qualified to take up the work where they are. A light will shine from such homes, which will reveal itself in behalf of the ignorant, leading them to the source of all knowledge. Kind of self-explanatory, like, kind of, don't really need to comment on that much. You raise a kid right, they will, the ripple effect, they well, will be a great influence wherever they go. Um, And I, I talked about here, when I wrote it down, I, I wrote down that, like, creating a sense of empathy in our children will help them stand for the causes that God brings to the community and help them be advocates for justice. You know that uh, saying, raise up a child in the ways he shall go and he shall not depart from it? Mm. It's the same as long as you raise them properly and fully, then no matter where they go, they will become those powerful Christian pillars that can go to places where their faith is tested and they will not be moved. And their faith will move the ignorant towards knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm. And just because, and just because your faith may not have such a firm foundation, does not mean you cannot build a firmer foundation than uh, yours. Mm-hmm. An example: 
a crane build a sky skyscraper. A crane's foundation is not better than the foundation of a skyscraper. Mm. So keep that in mind. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Um, I realized as I was editing that this episode is really long, so I've cut it in half here, and I encourage you to come back next week for the second half of chapter five. Um, so please come back and listen to the end of this, and I hope that you continue to listen further and that this brought you um, blessings in your life. Uh, if you have any questions or any feedback, please feel free to email us at info.lessonsforyou at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Real Time Talk, or you can find us on Instagram at Real Time underscore talk. Um, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you can leave a review. Um, and just let us know what you think about the, the podcast so you can help others know if they want to listen to us or not. Thank you so much and stay in school. Sabbath school. Mm -hmm.